no, if my time has come, my time has come. That's what they always say. That's yeah. what my grandma told me. If it's my time. Dude, in the middle of a tornado, this was back when I was a teenager. Um, I was um, helping my grandpa because he had some surgery or something with his, uh, I don't remember, it was years ago. Mm-hmm. He, I, but they needed help. So I was there and it was in the middle of like a tornado. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we need to go to the basement. And they were like, if it's our time, it's our time. I'm like, who says that to oh a teenager? Gosh. Who says that to their teenage granddaughter? <laughs> but in trauma. But that put me into a perspective when she died because I was like, she was kind of mentally prepared for it. Yeah. It takes a lot of strength. And it, I'm sure it gets easier the older you get. No one in their 20s is ready to die. <laughs> no, you are correct, sir. <laughs> Welcome to the 41st episode. Or, yeah, 41. 41st. Yeah, 41st episode of Beer and Fear. We're back. We are back. After a week break. I mean, it wasn't gone for you guys because we had that bonus episode on rabies. We never fail to deliver every Wednesday. Consistent. Consistently. I feel like we've probably gone. Like, Do we have a bonus episode for everything? Yeah. Uh-huh. We haven't had a single week since we started where we haven't released an episode on Wednesday at noon. Skill. Yeah. Made it happen. We did. I forgot how to do this. Uh, what's I forgot your na- how to open. What's your name? Yeah, I'm Paige. Oh, hey Paige, I'm Zach. <laughs> yeah, 41. And you got to pick the topic today. Yeah, the topic. After three weeks of not getting to pick a topic. I didn't get to do shit. The topic is death. Just death. Just the general term, death. Yep. Something we all fear. All about death. And well, if you don't, you're full of shit. I mean, yeah. So I hear you've got some, obviously this is how the the podcast works. You've got some stories lined up later on and I'm, I'm going to talk all about death. It's going to be such a, such a uplifting, exciting episode. Before we get into that, please tell me about your, well, week or weeks. Last few weeks. I did jot some things down. First and foremost, I noticed I think it was I think it was this bonus episode that I was editing for last week for rabies. I noticed how often I say um and it drives me up the fucking wall. Didn't I tell you I had a drinking game for that? Oh, did we mention that in one of the episodes? Yeah, every how time, time you, I, every time you say um I take a drink. Well, if I had done that when I was editing last week's episode, I would probably be dead. You say it frequently. Yeah. I I'm going to try to be more conscious about it. It's not a big deal. It was like every other word, though. Like, if you if you got to listen to the unedited version of the rabies episode, you'd be like, oh, my God, would you shut the fuck up? Oh. It's so bad. I had to edit so many out. I think last week, um, there you go. There, there's fucking home. <laughs> <laughs> last week, I was getting ready for work, woke mm-hmm. up, and I was really tired. I was walking to work, and the first thought that popped into my mind. walking to work? Sorry, I was wa- I was walking to my car. Okay. To getting you know get ready to drive to work, walking to my car from my apartment. First thought came into my mind: I can't wait to sit down. 
<laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't, it makes me feel so old, way older than I am, that the first thought that pops into my head is, oh, I can't wait to sit down. Yeah, I, I feel that. how old that makes me sound. It does make you sound like you have aged bones. I just need to sit. I can't I'm, wait to sit for I'm, eight hours. I'm so weak and fragile. My bones are hollow and my skin is glass. That's the thing I was looking forward to uh, that morning, going to work. Also, the only other thing I wrote down is that I broke a glass. One of the one of the new, brand new Spiegel glasses that we um, showcased for episode forty. I shattered one while I was cleaning it. It's been a little too rough. He was so angry cleaning it. Yeah, I just I don't know my own strength apparently, and it shattered in my hands. I was okay, thankfully, but I was very sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, brand new glass, mm-hmm. and I broke it. So I I did end up going to Crate and Barrel. We got a second one, and I'm treating them nicer now. They're thinner than our pint glasses, mm-hmm. so I just wasn't used to that thin glass. So, other than that, looking through my schedule, oh, I took a CPR course. I got recertified in CPR. It's good that you know, because so, I have no clue. In this uh, in this episode, all about death. If you happen to drop, I can hopefully revive you and save you from dying. Yeah. Oh my God, Paige! She's dead. You scared me. She's dead. I was so frightened. That's it. That's all I got. Hmm. It's getting real hot out. It is getting hot out. It's only another thing. It's like 90 it's degrees today. It's getting hot in here. Mm-hmm. You? Um, work and getting ready to move. and Exciting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, just life is stressful. Um, y'all get it. Y'all, y'all know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's just... It's a struggle sometimes. It is a struggle sometimes. It's a struggle to... Get out of bed. It's a struggle to to shower. Sometimes it's a struggle to just care for your basic needs. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I didn't have my leopard geckos, I probably wouldn't get up. But I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for them, too, because I saw them the last time I was over. I got to visit you, I think, last week. Oh, you did get before. to visit me. Yeah, we went out and got um, dinner with my little sister. Went to Lazy Dog. It was very good. In Naperville. Highly recommend. I ate way too much. We did order a lot of food. I got a bison burger. Holy shit. That was one of the best burgers I had had in a long time. My little sister and I split um, fish and chips and a peanut butter and jelly burger. And they gave us way too many fries. Peanut butter and jelly burger. It was so good. I'll have to get that next time. I got a mojito. You got a pineapple mojito. You both got mules also. Yeah. And then there were some appetizers mixed in. Yeah. It was a good time. A lot of food. Very um, good. What else? Oh, Illinois. Phase five. We're officially reopening from uh, the pandemic. And I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, I should stop clapping then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it because I feel like... I think the CDC said that it was over. Really? No. What? no. That's <laughs> not something the CDC would say. I don't know. I've read it somewhere. Do you think it's too soon? I... I'm just scared to count my chickens before they hatch. That concerns me, especially since I'm, you know, and I'm not going to get political. Never yeah, mind. I, feel like. I take it back. Ignore me. We're, we're working <laughs> on uh, working on getting back to normal. People are, you know, allowed to be maskless if they're vac- uh, vaccinated. So that's cool. That's about it, though. Nothing mm-hmm. too wild for me. My life is repetitive. It's chilling. Father's Day's coming up. Vibing. Yeah, don't forget Father's Day. I think I made a, a mention on one of the episodes before Mother's Day. You did. 
about uh, if you're listening to this, it's too late. Father's Day already happened. Uh, sorry we didn't give you advance notice. Yeah, we apologize. But by the time you're listening to this, Father's Day will have occurred three days ago. We hope you got something uh, great for your dads. Yes. Had a good time. Or for your mom that was like your dad. Yeah. Or for your stepdad. Exactly. Or for your grandpa. Any father figure. Yeah. In your life. Or if you are a dad. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, father. Can I call you dad? Dad. Dad? Uh, you were really hyping up these beers that you picked out. Yes, these new beers. And I'm so excited. This Very isn't excited. the one that I'm the most excited about. Um, the one I'm most excited about is going to be much further down the road. Um, I think okay. I'm going to do that last. Okay. Um, but, Saving the best for last. Yes, exactly. But I'm very excited for it. Yeah, you wouldn't, uh, you couldn't stop talking about them. And, yeah, uh, I was just trying to hype you up. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to know what they were. I have no idea. You and actually Jack knows what this beer is for death that you picked out for death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a little concerned, but I'm also excited because you, you were talking about It is about not going to be what you're expecting. Okay. Granted, I feel like we've had one of these before, so this one is not new. Okay. Um, but I don't know if we've had this brewery before. Okay. Whenever you're ready, you can get into it. Okay. <laughs> Let me pull up my notes. Excitement. Our beer is called Death of Cool. Death of Cool? Uh, Death of Cool. C-O-O-L? C-O-O-L. Death of Cool. It is from Pipeworks Brewing Company. We've had this brewery. Who was the one that we had? Exactly. What? <laughs> you don't remember. No, we've had, yeah, we've had Pipeworks, but I don't remember. Oh, I, you're asking what beer it was. Yeah, we've had Pipeworks, but I don't remember the name of it. Um, just a quick rundown of Pipeworks, because it's probably been a bit since we did it last. Um, it was established in Chicago in 2012 by friends with a shared dream of crafting quality and creative beers. Since putting the first cap on the first bottle, the, bur- uh, the brewery has garnered accolades for its distinctive beers and its original artwork thanks to a growing and enthusiastic team. They self-distribute in Illinois, Milwaukee, and Madison, but they can be found in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. Also, Minnesota and Massachusetts. Are these the guys headquartered in Indiana? No, that's three flights. You you said they're from Chicago? The Dojo, their bottle shop, is located within our production facility Mm -hmm. at... 3912 West McLean Avenue in Chicago. We, uh, I'm looking at the beer list now. It was Blood of the Unicorn. Oh, you're right. And Your Brain and Brunch. They did Your Brain and Brunch? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Pipeworks has some good beers. You're right. They do. Our beer is a pale ale. An American pale ale. Yes. It is scored an 84 on Beer Advocate. Okay. So it actually has a score. Its ABV is 5.6%. Let me give you a description. Lemon lime pale ale with equinox and cryo equinox hops. What in the world? Average rating 3.76. Okay. And then out of the style of pale ales, it is ranked 1,668. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Overall score is good. The lemon lime intrigues me. It should. I realized I should... uh be jotting all of this down on our beer list that you can see at bit.ly slash BAF list. Lemon Lime Pale Ale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have a review? Yeah, but I'll read Until it later. after. Let's get it. Can't read shit in here. 
Every time uh, Paige walks in with her beer, I have to like look up at the ceiling and have her hand me the four-pack or six-pack, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't want him to see it. Open my fridge without looking at it and find a spot in my fridge to put the beer without seeing it until I finally grab it now. The artwork's really cool. Some mm-hmm. citrus. Looks like sprinkles. I don't know if it's supposed to be sprinkles. If maybe it's just supposed to be lines. <laughs> oh, she bubbly. Oh, that smell is strong. Oh yeah, immediately lime, Ooh. but not like a sour lime. Like, doesn't like not like a sour. Beer I'm intrigued. Lime. Oh. Um, I liked the green. That's why I said ooh when I got it from the fridge. Wow, that is a pale ale. That is like it's pale. A hint of yellow. It smells so strongly of lime and lemon. I'm looking forward to this. I hope I don't eat my words. I had a a non-formy po uh, <laughs> formy foamy pour. Oh yeah. I'm very proud of myself right now. Uh, the head dissipates pretty quick. It's a little bubbly. I am in love with this smell. Hold on. What does this smell like? kind of smells like a margarita. A little bit. Careful with your glass there, bud. That is interesting. Hmm. Okay. She's smooth. It has such a weird aftertaste. Like, are you getting that in the back of your throat? That, like, a little bitterness, kind of? It just tastes, uh, like, crisp to me. Uh, lemon, uh, lemon and lime, right up front. Man, I feel like we're getting worse at this. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting worse at this as we go on. Describe, describe. We should be getting better. I feel like I'm getting worse at describing this. You know what? That's what it is. At that aftertaste in the back of your throat is lemon. It just feels like someone squeezed a lemon into the back <laughs> of your throat. <laughs> just gotcha. take, take it. <laughs> this is odd. It's not. It's not over... Oh, what is that burp? It's not overly bitter. That's the hops in the burp. Yeah, the hops come through in the burp. Not so much on the on the taste. No, not really. The taste is very much lemon and lime. Yeah. It is very overpowered by that. Taste matches the nose almost identically. Exactly. And I don't know if I'm getting much else. It's carbonated. It's a little fizzy, tingly. Bubbles uh, stick around, lacing stumps. Really, I feel like they go away pretty quick. I guess they they um, like sink on the glass. They sink down quick, but it is uh, still pretty bubbly. I think that's solely from the carbonation, though. But to me, yeah, very tingly on the tongue. Right when you sip it, lemon lime. I'm not getting much else. Me either. I'm gonna read this review. <laughs> This one is from F. Barber. He is from Illinois. Mm -hmm. Or she. Overall, they gave it a 3.38 out of 5. They gave the look a 3.5, the smell a 3.5, the taste a 3.25, the feel a 3.25, and overall 3.5, like I said. It pours a hazy, cloudy, light orange color. Weak, wispy white head dissipates steadily, leaving just a ring of foam on top of the beer and a splotch of white foam in the center. Very accurate. Aroma has strong notes of fresh lemon and lime, fruit notes that give way to a lemon-lime sherbet note. A slight sweetness is readily apparent on the nose. Some light green hop notes come through towards the back end. 
Taste has notes of lemon lime sherbet with a distinct sweetness coming through on this. Some caramel malt notes come throughout on the backbone. Light herbal notes come through with some green hop notes, strong bitterness on the finish lingering into the back end. Feel is a light is light with bright fizzy carbonation bitterness lingers on the palate with a strong presence overall it's a solid but ultimately underwhelming apa hmm. the lemon and lime are more pronounced on the aroma and underpronounced in the flavor profile the profile just doesn't do it for me interesting the the herbs i think would be the only other thing i can pick out on the taste but i disagree i think the lemon and lime are very forward up front on the on the taste i think they match like i said the nose of the beer i don't know I agree. I was more excited because it was lemon lime, but I feel that it's underwhelming. You're going to agree with, uh, what was their name? I already F- forgot. F. Barber. F. Barber. You're going to agree that it's underwhelming? I don't know. It's just kind of like... I think it's unique. I think it's interesting. And we've, we, You're right. We have not had a beer like this before. Our other two APAs, I can't think of what they are right off the top of my head, but they did. they were not like this. And I pulled up the SRM chart so we could get an idea maybe a, a a three or a four you think it's that light i don't know you you put it in the light and it looks like it's darker but if you hold it out of the light it looks much yeah. paler right maybe a four or five there it's light it's on the lighter end it's one of the uh, lighter beards that we've one had of the, the palest film. beers i've seen since we do ipas so often when i poured it it instantly reminded me of um food truck it was a pilsner also on the the brighter end I like it. I would get it again. I think it's a good summer beer because it's just crisp and refreshing and bubbly. Like I can see myself on a patio sipping one of these straight out of the can. The sun beaming down on me. Getting a a tan. (laughs) Getting a tan. Yeah. I like the lemon liminess of it. I think it's a very unique APA. Glad we had an APA because we have it in a while. It has been a bit. Let's get into depth. Yeah, I can't think of anything more fun and exciting to talk about to follow this beer up with. So death is complicated. Mm-hmm. Just like life. Life is also complicated. You are correct, sir. So death is equally as complicated of a concept to talk about and uh, unpack as life itself. So I'm going to do my best. And uh, by my best, I mean everyone else's best because I got all these notes from Wikipedia. So in technical terms, death is the permanent irreversible cessation of all biological functions that sustain a living organism. It is an inevitable universal process that eventually occurs in all living organisms. The concept of death is a key to human understanding of the phenomenon. There are many scientific approaches and various interpretations, and due to the advent of life-sustaining therapy and the numerous criteria for defining death from both a medical and legal standpoint, it's difficult to create a single unifying definition. One of the challenges of defining it is in distinguishing it from life. As a point in time, death would seem to refer to the moment at which which life ends. Determining when this occurs is difficult, as cessation of life functions is often not simultaneous across all organ systems. Such determination, therefore, requires drawing precise conceptual boundaries between life and death. This is difficult due to there being little consensus on how to define life. Uh, Wow. It's possible to define life in terms of consciousness. When consciousness sneezes, uh, when consciousness, consciousness, when consciousness sneezes, 
When it ceases, a living organism can be said to have died. One of the flaws to this approach is that there are many organisms that are alive, but probably not conscious, Mm -hmm. like single-celled organisms. Oh, okay. Other definitions of death focus on the character of cessation of something. More specifically, death occurs when a living entity experiences irreversible cessation of all functioning. As it pertains to human life, death is an irreversible process where someone loses their existence as a person. Historically, attempts to define the exact moment of a human's death have been subjective or imprecise. Death was once defined as the cessation of heartbeat and breathing, but the development of CPR and prompt defibrillation have rendered that definition inadequate because breathing and heartbeat can sometimes be restarted. Mm -hmm. This type of death where circulatory and respiratory arrest happens is known as the circulatory definition of death, the DCDD. I don't know why they had to give it an acronym, but proponents of the DCDD believe that this definition is reasonable because a person with permanent loss of circulatory and respiratory function should be considered dead. Critics of this definition state that while cessation of these functions may be permanent, it doesn't mean it's irreversible. The person can be revived. Today, where a definition definition of the moment of death is required... Doctors and coroners usually turn to brain death, or biological death, to define a person as being dead. People are considered dead when the electrical activity in their brain ceases, because it is presumed that an end of electrical activity indicates the end of consciousness. The category of brain death is seen as problematic by some scholars. For instance, Dr. Franklin Miller, senior faculty member at the Department of Bioethics National Institutes of Health, notes... Quote, by the late 1900s, the equation of brain death with death of the human being was increasingly challenged by scholars based on evidence regarding the array of biological functioning displayed by patients correctly diagnosed as having this condition, diagnosed as having being brain dead, Mm -hmm. where were maintained on mechanical ventilation for substantial periods of time. So these patients who were considered brain dead... Uh, They maintain the ability to sustain circulation and respiration, Mm -hmm. control temperature, excrete wastes, heal wounds, fight infections, and most dramatically, to gestate fetuses. Oh. So in the case of pregnant brain-dead women, they were still able to give birth. Creepy. So that's that's why that's criticized, is that brain-dead may not be dead dead Mm -hmm. because you still have all of these other functions going on well then i think it comes down to a question of is the person still there because yes the body's alive but is the person there? Is the person dead is the the being within the body dead and that's when you get into like the spiritual like do you have a soul right you know what makes your body you there are many anecdotal anecdotal references to people being declared dead by physicians and then quote, coming back to life, sometimes days later in their own coffin, or when embalming procedures are about to begin. From the mid-18th century onwards, there was an upsurge in the public's fear of being mistakenly buried alive, and much debate about the uncertainty of the signs of death. Various suggestions were made to test for signs of life before burial, ranging from pouring vinegar and pepper into the corpse's mouth, what, to applying red-hot pokers to the feet or in the rectum. What? Why? Why? Why couldn't you just tap them? Why? Why? <laughs> I have that in my notes. Why couldn't you just tap them and Why? be like, "Hey, Frank. Hey, bud. You you good? 
You all right? You alive? Maga, stick some in their ass. So stick it right up their butthole. <laughs> wow, that's that's why. Why? But also that makes me think of the um, bells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't go into that, but yeah, that's right. They had, um, for a while, a bell attached to a string in a coffin. So that if you were if you woke up, hey, a little ding a ling a ling hopefully someone hears you. You'd scare the shit out of the nuns in the churchyard. Oh, that's right. Weren't they like they were like staffed there in order to like listen for them, right? Or am I just making that up? I don't, I don't fucking know. know. I just know they had bells. So, signs of death in warm blooded animals include respiratory arrest, no breathing, cardiac arrest, no pulse, and brain death, no neuro neuronal. Neuronal activity. I don't know if it was a word. Neuronal. Neuronal. Stages that follow after death are pallor mortis, which is paleness, which happens in the 15 to 120 minutes after death. Alger mortis, which is reduction in body temperature, declines steadily until matching ambient temperature. Mm-hmm. Rigor mortis, which most of us know. You get all. You get all. Ugh. You get all. Ugh. Yep. Locked up. Liver mortis, a settling of the blood in the lower portion of the body. So if you're laying down, it settles towards the ground. So it pools. Of your body, right. Into your butt. Putrefaction, just straight to the butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's all where, where it all goes. Putrefaction, the beginning signs of de- decomposition. Decomposition, the reduction into simpler forms of matter accompanied by a strong, unpleasant odor. Skeletonization, the end of decomposition, and fossilization, the natural preservation of the skeletal remains formed over a very long period. I was, while I was doing this research, I looked at decomposition because I saw the accompanied by a strong, unpleasant odor. Uh I was like, what? Why? Why is that odor a thing? Apparently, there are two chemicals. I can't remember the names of them off the top of my head right now, but it's. One of them is produced by the body's natural enzymes breaking down mm-hmm. the body, and another is outside bacteria breaking down the body. They both uh, produce different chemicals that are very similar to each other. They have different names, but um, that's what contributes to the smell. And actually, that uh, those two chemicals are both present in uh, urine and semen. So that, that's probably the... A lot of things just got ruined for me. <laughs> That's what contributes to the smell. Oh, boy. (laughs) The leading cause of human death in developing countries is infectious disease, while the leading causes in developed countries are atherosclerosis, heart disease and stroke, cancer, and other diseases related to obesity and aging. Hey, In developing nations, inferior sanitary conditions and lack of access to modern medical technology makes death from infectious diseases more common than in developed countries. One such disease is tuberculosis, a bacterial disease which killed 1.8 million people in 2015. Shit, seriously? A lot of fucking people, yeah. Malaria causes about 400 to 900 million cases of fever and 1 to 3 million deaths annually. That's wild. AIDS death toll in Africa may reach 90 to 100 million by 2025. That's so sad. I don't have this in my notes. I don't know why. How many people die per day? I saw this stat somewhere doing my research, but it wasn't included in my notes. Just a quick Google search. Nearly 150,000 people die per day worldwide. Fun fact. 
Just so you know. By an extremely wide margin, the largest unifying cause of death in the developed world is biological aging. Again, the developed world leading to various complications known as aging-associated diseases. Of the roughly... I guess we can cut all that out. Of the roughly 150,000 people who die each day... Oh, it's in your notes. ...across the globe, about two-thirds die of age-related causes. In industrialized nations, the proportion is much higher, approaching 90%. According to Jean Ziegler, 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 United Nations Special Reporter on the Right to Food from 2000 to 2008, Mm -hmm. mortality due to malnutrition accounted for 58% of the total mortality rate in 2006. She says worldwide approximately 62 million people died from all causes, and of those deaths, more than 36 million died of hunger or diseases due to deficiencies in micronutrients. That's really sad. That's very depressing. Tobacco smoking killed 100 million people worldwide in the 20th century and could kill 1 billion people around the world in the 21st century, a WHO report warned. Here's hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The FBI agent that's in your phone. (laughs) They're listening. And just it pulled up an assassination of JFK. Oh, boy. In 2012, suicide overtook car crashes for leading causes of human injury deaths in the U.S., followed by poisoning, falls, and murder. What's murder at? I don't have the exact numbers, but apparently all of those things overtook car crashes in 2012. And they say that driving is the most dangerous thing you do in a day. Right fall off a cliff everybody needs to get a poison tester <laughs> like the kings in ye olden times had did they have poison testers yeah they had poison testers how do you they would check their food and if they died they died oh yeah like people that's right mm-hmm. you eat this exactly try it out i bet they were compensated very well either they were Hopefully. forced into it or they were compensated well so like every that's day true. is like a risk like you don't know what's going to happen but you get paid like out the wazoo Either that or they were prisoners. That's my thought process. I'm trying to think, would I like that job? That'd be, that'd be a cool fucking job. I mean... As long as I'm getting paid I really would well. pick a king that's well-liked. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. If you have the option to pick a king. If you're the poison tester for Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> you might have a lesser chance than 50-50. It's more like... Give me a statistic here. <laughs> talking about 90-10, maybe. You're talking 90-10. <laughs> Causes of death are different in different parts of the world. In high- and middle-income countries, nearly half up to more than two-thirds of all people live beyond the age of 70 and predominantly die of chronic diseases. In low-income countries, where less than one in five of all people reach the age of 70, and more than a third of all deaths are among children under 15, people predominantly die of infectious diseases. Hmm. That's also depressing. Many leading developed world causes of death can be postponed by diet and physical activity, but the accelerating incidence of disease with age still imposes limits on human longevity. The evolutionary causes of aging is, at best, only just beginning to be understood. It has been suggested that direct intervention in the aging process may now be the most effective intervention against major causes of death. So technology is advancing getting better people are living longer but also diseases are also kind of doing the same thing does everyone deserve to live longer though i don't think so 
I don't think everyone deserves it. The pessimist in me. Mm. Uh, that, that, that question that gets tossed around all the time, if you had a chance to live forever, would you? No. Some people say no, because then you'd have nothing to look forward to in life. And, you know, you have infinite time to do anything and you'd get really bored. And... If I could live forever and explore the cosmos, yes. Yeah. If I could explore the universe and other planets, yes. Yeah. Th- like, think about how long it would take you to visit like every single country in the world on earth that's going to take a long time and then and then now you're talking about space too so i think if i got to explore the world beyond what we know Mm -hmm. then yes but i would be very lonely oh sure unless there's like you know millions of other people who are making the same decision and also doing the same thing who knows maybe technology will advance to a point where we're all doing that Hmm. everyone lives forever and we just explore space that sounds gross <laughs> that everyone lives forever. Like, I'm not saying I want it just for myself. I'm just yeah. saying, like, it kind of gives life no sense of fear or anxiety. And, I mean, I have anxiety out the freaking ass. But, I don't know. It's what makes you human to be right. anxious. Knowing that you have an end. Mm-hmm. The podcast I've been listening to, the VR guys, they uh, do a shout. We'll do a shout out. Homie, homies VR comedy. <laughs> do, do shit quick, for us. Do a quick plug. Homies VR comedy. Check them out on YouTube. They do uh, funny VR. Yeah, pay, pay attention to anybody but us. Yeah, comedy videos. Homies VR comedy. If you go there and you say hi, <laughs> tell them who sent you. Okay. No one's fucking listening to this. We have people. <laughs> God, you freaking negative ass Nancy. But Hummies VR Comedy, it's a YouTube channel. They do VR comedy videos, but they also have a podcast. And I like listening to their stuff because they literally just chat about whatever. They were um, they were presented a hypothetical question where if you had the opportunity to live forever, would you? With the ability to then turn off the switch and then begin aging again. So you can turn it on and off anytime you wanted to. Um, but you could still die from like natural or not natural causes. You can still die from outside things like getting shot or stabbed or falling or accidents. You know, mm-hmm. you can still succumb to those things. It was very interesting to think about um, being able to have that control over whether or not you want to keep aging. Anyway, with improved medical capability, dying has become a condition to be managed now. Technology is getting better. Home deaths once commonplace, are now rare in the developed world. Before about 1930, most people in Western countries died in their own homes, surrounded by family and comforted by clergy, neighbors, and doctors making house calls. By the mid-20th century, half of all Americans died in a hospital. By the start of the 21st century, only about 20 to 25% of people in developed countries died outside of a medical institution. The shift away from dying at home towards dying in a professional medical environment has been termed the, quote, invisible death. This shift occurred gradually over the years until most deaths now occur outside the home. Most people are hospitalized. And that's where all the money comes in. Exactly. Hospital bills. What are you going to do with the body? How are we going to prepare it? Can we donate any of the organs? Can we harvest you in any way? Yep. Many people are afraid of dying. 
Discussing, thinking, or planning their own deaths causes them discomfort. This fear may cause them to put off financial planning, preparing a will and testament, or requesting help from a hospice organization. However, different people have different responses to the idea of their own deaths. Philosopher Galen Strawson writes that the death that many people wish for is an instant, painless, unexperienced annihilation. Hmm. In this unlikely scenario, the person dies without realizing it and without being able to fear it. One moment, the person is walking, eating, or sleeping, or fucking. Okay. And the next moment, the person's dead. <laughs> or fucking? <laughs> Why'd you say it like that? Or fucking. <laughs> that, some people, that's how they want to go, you know? Mm-mm. Fucking. Die, die, doing, die happy, you know? <laughs> sure. Unless it's a bad situation. Like the girl's not enjoying it, or the guy's not enjoying it, uh, how or fucking, fucking depressing. not enjoying it. How depressing. You're just sitting there, and it's like, I oh, get this fucking shit over with, and then you die. Yeah. And you're stuck with that. Bummer. Oh, God. Strawson reasons that this type of death would not take anything away from the person, as he believes that person cannot have a legitimate claim to ownership in the future. In society, the nature of death and humanity's awareness of its own mortality has for millennia been a concern of the world's religious traditions and of philosophical inquiry. This includes belief in resurrection or an afterlife associated with Abrahamic religions, reincarnation or rebirth associated with Dharmic religions, or that consciousness permanently ceases to exist, known as eternal oblivion, associated with secular humanism. Hmm. Much interest and debate surround the question of what happens to one's consciousness as one's body dies. The belief in the permanent loss of consciousness after death is referred to as an eternal oblivion, while belief in the stream of consciousness is pre- preserved after physical death is described by the term afterlife. Neither are likely to ever be confirmed without the ponderer having to actually die. Mm-hmm. I found this... Um, I, I was looking into secular humanism mm-hmm. and... Eternal Oblivion. There's a Wikipedia article for Eternal Oblivion. Because I feel like I most associate myself with this line of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I found this interesting little snippet. In the Apology of Socrates, written by Plato, it's very philosophical, after Socrates is sentenced to death, he addresses the court. He ponders the nature of death and summarizes that there are basically two opinions about it. The first is that it is a migration of the soul or consciousness from this existence into another, and that the souls of all previously deceased people will also be there. This excites Socrates because he will be able to conduct his dialectic inquiries with all of the great Greek heroes and thinkers of the past. The other opinion about death is that it is oblivion, the complete cessation of consciousness, not only unable to feel, but a complete lack of awareness, like a person in a deep, dreamless sleep. Socrates says that even this oblivion does not frighten him very much, because while he would be unaware, he would correspondingly be free from any pain or suffering. Indeed, Socrates says not even the great king of Persia could say that he ever rested so soundly and peacefully as he did in a dreamless sleep. Hmm. And then my last little section talks about a little bit spiritual, religious-ish things. Commemoration ceremonies after death may include various mourning, funeral practices, and ceremonies, ceremonies of honoring the deceased. Talking about death and witnessing it is a difficult issue with most cultures. Western societies like to treat the dead with the utmost material respect, 
with an official embalmer and associated rights. Eastern societies like India may be more open to accepting it as a fight accompli. accompli. I looked up the um, pronunciation. I forgot. Uh, essentially, it means it's Latin. It's a, a thing that has already happened or been decided before those affected hear about it, leaving them with no option but to accept it. Mm-hmm. Fait accompli. Uh, Eastern societies, they may be more open to accepting it as that with a funeral procession of the dead body ending in open air burning to ashes of the same. So the person dies, they burn their body, they have this whole ritual, whatever, before people even know about it. And then I found five different religions, five major religions, and I just added some bullet points. This isn't a whole summary, um, but some bullet points of how they treat death and the Mm -hmm. concept of dying. First one's Hinduism. They say cremation is the ultimate sacrifice disposing of the physical body. There's no heaven and hell, although the soul experiences both good and bad on its way. Great souls get salvation, but most souls find a new body to get into and start a new life. Mm Mm-hmm. There's Islam that says it is God who gives you life, causes you to die, then gathers you together for the day of resurrection, of which there is no doubt, to quote the Quran. On the day of judgment, the body is judged, and those who have earned their reward are allowed into paradise, while those who have earned a punishment are consigned to hell. There's Buddhism. The body dies and disappears, but the mind goes on. Belief in rebirth and enlightenment, removing all negative imprints from the past. A god realm is not a good rebirth. If you get reborn in the god realm, everything is perfect, and that makes you not interested in attaining enlightenment. Then you might pass into another body without having cleansed your imprints, and you might not have a positive rebirth. If you get born into a hell realm, you might be wandering around in tutory weather on the streets of New York endlessly until you work through the suffering and can eventually move on to a more positive rebirth. Hmm. Eventually, everyone will attain enlightenment, but it will take eons for some. There's Judaism. They have a strong belief in the idea that people have a soul, or neshama, the soul lives forever, and the body is borrowed time, and we give it back to God in the form of burial. Okay. Our body is given back to the earth and life and God. In traditionalist views, the soul lives on and goes to heaven. And then Christianity. It's a very diverse practice. Some say when someone dies, they're sleeping, and they'll wake when Jesus comes again. In mainline, mainline traditions, death is a transition to another kind of life. And it comes from a grief response, which is Jesus' death. Mm -hmm. Grieving gives people a chance to acknowledge what has been lost to them and to assign that loss to another dimension of life so that the community can reconnect with what is living. This is how resurrection happens, and it's the purpose of funerals and memorial services. Okay. That's interesting. It is. Everyone has their own sort of idea of what happens. To go back to your question... Yes, how would you, what do you want? What? How do you want to I, be treated? How I, don't, do you... I don't, okay, so first and foremost, like with my body, I would also like to be uh, cremated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like my ashes to be utilized in some way, whether it's scattering them somewhere meaningful mm-hmm. to me, like we did with my, my grandfather's, my grandma and grandfather's ashes. We scattered them in a few different places. Um, a lot, a lot of the area around Michigan yeah. and the house that they had built up there. So I like that idea. I wouldn't mind that. But also, you mentioned a, a tree thing. You know, something 
green, you know, something that uh, gives back to the earth, I think would be good. And then also thinking about what happens to you when you die. Again, I, I kind of resonate with the, the secular. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not religious at all. So I feel like, unfortunately, as pessimistic as it sounds, your consciousness just ceases. You, It's eternal oblivion. Mm-hmm. But... I've also kind of resonated a little bit with re- the idea of reincarnation, where every soul inhabits a new being, and all of the thoughts and feelings and memories of your previous lives are erased. And I like the idea of your current self um, being able to tie in attributes of who you are now, who you are today, to your past life. Mm-hmm. So your past life kind of, kind of explains why you are the person you are now. Like, you may have been... A pirate back in the day, so you have certain piratey qualities about you. Not that literal, what? you know, but just trying to... You walk around with a peg leg <laughs> and you have an eye patch. Your not, piratey qualities. Not, yeah, not that literal, but it's like when someone says, you know, notices you're good at something, it's like, oh, maybe you were an artist, but you know, in your past life. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were a musician in your past life. Something like that. I like that idea. I like the idea of reincarnation. And thinking that you constantly inhabit something new and things continue on. That's the optimist in me. Mm-hmm. But it, and it's, it's difficult to think that things just end. For what me, about you? personally, um, I am not religious. I am what's called an apatheist. So I don't deny it. I don't accept it. I just don't need religion in my life. That's the technical definition of it. It's just not something that you need to acknowledge to be to find completion in life for you for me so i am of the opinion that life just ends we are no longer conscious beings we're gone we're not going to heaven we're not being reincarnated we're just done Mm -hmm. our memories are gone our heartbeat is gone Mm -hmm. for me for how i want to be my body to be treated i was talking about organ harvesting um I want every part of me to be used as much as it can be to help other people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, skin, eyes, organs, whatever I can give, I want to give. Mm. Um, and then whatever's left of me, I would like to be cremated and placed in um, a tree urn. And I want to be a redwood and I want to be planted in a very unconventional place. Like okay. just very inconvenient. <laughs> Just in the way. <laughs> I want someone to plant me. I want one of my family members to plant me in like the yard of someone they don't like. And like years from now, I'm going to be this towering redwood and I'll just be like, yeah, fuck you. That's from my ancestors. Getting back at your neighbors. Exactly. Just in the middle of a roadway and people got to like build around yes. it. and like. Well, what they'd probably do is drill through me <laughs> and make like a tunnel. Oh, yeah. Go underneath a tree if you're that big of a redwood. That's a thing in California. Really? Yeah, there's a tree that you can drive through. Whoa, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I think it's the way it formed. I don't think it was man-made. It's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Well, your idea is, I mean, as bummy as it sounds, you know, what happens to you after you die, it does give life meaning. And it, it should give you more priorities to make the most of the time you have. I'm of the opinion that, you know memories being fleeting and your existence being fleeting are what make you human. 
mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen down the road. And it's about the memories that you make with the people that you love and you surround yourself with. Yep. And that's what matters. The impact that you leave on others, I guess. I agree. Well put. That's my section. So my section is on unusual deaths. So the process of dying and the way that they died in a weird way. And I've got a very lengthy list okay. of stuff to go over. So. I'm intrigued. Draco of Athens Draco. died 620 BC. I thought you were going to say died six times. Died six <laughs> separate times. He was reportedly smothered to death by gifts of cloaks and hats showered upon him by appreciative citizens at a theater. No way. That's what I'm saying. What? The next one is, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's C-H-A-R-O-N-D-A-S. Crondas? 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 I don't know if it's a ch. Trondus. Uh, but they died the late 17th century to early 5th century BC. He was a Greek lawgiver from Sicily. And according uh, to Diodorus Siculus, Siculus, whatever, he issued a law that anyone who brought weapons into the assembly must be put to death. One day he arrived at the assembly seeking help to defeat some uh, brigands, brigands, brigands in the countryside, but with a knife still attached to his belt. In order to uphold his own law, he committed suicide. (laughs) Wild. Upstanding guy. Follows the rules. Very thorough. He said, I set this rule. I can't be a hypocrite. That's the pot calling the kettle black. Yep. Uh, S. Okay, this one's next. Uh. I don't know if it's Sophocles. I don't know. It's very Greek. It's very Greek. S-O-P-H-O-C-L-E-S. Sophocles? I don't know. Sophocles? Maybe. Sophocles. Uh, Died 406 BC. Uh, A number of remarkable legends concerning the death of... Sophocles? Sophocles. Another of the three great Athenian uh, tragedians. tragedians. Mm. Um, According to one legend, he choked to death on an unripe grape. Another says that he died of joy after hearing that his last play had been victorious. That's how I want to go. A third account reports that he died of suffocation after reading aloud a lengthy monologue from the end of his play. Without pausing to take a breath for commas or punctuations. Wow. Very, this guy's way more dedicated than the last one. Um, the next one is Qin Shi Huang. He died 10 September 210 BC, um, was the first emperor of China. And there, uh, his, um, if you know him, it was the, he was the owner of the terracotta army. Okay. He died after ingesting several pills of mercury in the belief that it would grant him eternal life. Boy, was he surprised. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Simon the Zealot. First century AD, uh, Simon was an apostle of Jesus, was sawn in half in Persia. You know, that was an old medieval form of, I think, capital punishment. St. Lawrence died 258. The Deacon, St. Lawrence, was roasted alive on a giant grill during the persecution of Valerian. There's a joke that said he told his tormentors to turn me over. I'm done on this side. 
He is now the patron saint of cooks, chefs, and comedians. Uh, I love that. It's like, I was just imagining a rim, like a rim shot in my Bounce. head. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> uh, Constance II died 15 of September 668. He was a Byzantine emperor, was assassinated with a bucket. <laughs> Like someone sniped him with a bucket, just like from <laughs> far away. Just <laughs> Louis the Third of France died the fifth of August, eight hundred eighty-two. Uh, died at around age of eighteen, uh, whilst mounting his horse to pursue a girl who was running to seek refuge in her father's house. He hit his head on the lintel of a low door and fell, fracturing his skull. Thirsty, so thirsty, thirsty. killed him. <laughs> I don't know if it's Basil or Basil. Basil the first died 29th of August, 886. His belt was entangled between antlers of a deer during a hunt, and the animals subsequently dragged the emperor for 16 miles through the woods. Oh, my God. Because of this accident, he contracted a fever and died shortly <laughs> afterwards. Didn't die from the dragging. <laughs> got a fever. Uh, just got Boy, what an ordeal that was. Oh, my gosh. What a problem. <clears throat> Jesus. Edmund Ironside died the 30th of November 1016, was the king of England, and was allegedly stabbed whilst on a toilet by an assassin hiding underneath. Underneath the toilet? Yeah. Think about toilets in the ye olden days. Oh, no. He was in there. He was in that little poop chute. Waiting to, <laughs> waiting to stab somebody. Okay. So... So I'm sure the plan was hide underneath the toilet as soon as he sits down, you know, before anything can happen, just bah, get him. What if he really had to go? What if it was like an emergency, you know? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Pulls his pants down, sits down and just, no, there's no time. Stabbed in the butt. <laughs> there's, no, there's no time at all. He gets a little bit in the eye. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. And then he probably died of infection from that. The next one is Crown Prince Philip of France died the 13th of October, 1131. He died while riding through Paris when his horse tripped over a black pig running out of a dung heap. That's like people uh, with cars and deer now. Henry I of England died the 1st of December, 1135. While visiting relatives, Henry supposedly ate too many lampreys against his physician's advice, causing a pain in his gut and ultimately his death. Always listen to your doctor. I like how I have like a a thing for every one of these now. John the second, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. First mm-hmm. uh, of April, eleven forty three, cut himself with a poisoned arrow during a boar hunt and subsequently died from an infection. How you do that? Why are you point it towards you? Why are you pointing your fingers towards it? Is this real poison? Is this for real? <laughs> it's like when somebody like checks like like points a gun at themselves to like check the barrel. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. It's like, what are you doing? Next one, Edward II of England. England's got a lot going on. 21st of September, 1327. He was rumored to have been murdered after being deposed and imprisoned by his wife, Isabella, and her lover, Roger, by having a horn pushed into his anus through which a red-hot iron was inserted, burning out his internal organs without marking his body. Maybe they were just trying to figure out if he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) This is a test. Are you good? You're really into shoving things up people's butts back then. Uh, John of Bohemia, 26th um, of August, 1346, 
was blinded for he's been blind for 10 years mm-hmm. died in the battle of uh Cressy Cress 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 Crecky when at his command his companions tied their horses reins to his own and charged he was slaughtered in the ensuing fight who mm. let a blind man lead a battle Martin of Aragon 31st of May 1410 died from a combination of indigestion and uncontrollable laughter According to the tradition, Martin was suffering from indigestion on account of eating an entire goose when his favorite jester, Bora, entered the king's bedroom. When Martin asked Bora where he had been, the jester replied with, Out of the next vineyard where I saw a young deer hanging by his tail from a tree, as if someone had so punished him for stealing figs. This joke caused the king to die from laughter. If you don't get it, you're not smart. (laughs) That's a pretty good joke. It reminded me of, I think they covered it on... Good Mythical Morning. They talked about a guy who died from watching... So, someone who laughed themselves to death. Mm -hmm. They watched... They were watching a television show. They heard this funny joke. They couldn't stop laughing, and it killed them. And Good Mythical Morning covered something like that. I can't remember the specifics, what the joke was, what the show was, but it's a thing that's happened. Mm. Francois Vettel, 24th April, 1671. Uh, Vettel was a major... uh, It's a person who speaks and makes arrangements to take or takes shards for another. Okay. Major domo, whatever. Was responsible for... uh, He was the major domo or whatever of Prince Louis um, II. He was responsible for a banquet of 2,000 people, hosted in honor of King Louis, the whatever XIV is, I don't know, in Roman numerals. 14? Sure. Vettel was so distraught about the lateness of the seafood delivery and about other mishaps that he committed suicide with his sword, and his body was discovered when someone came to tell him the arrival of the fish. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, going out to, like, Longhorn Steakhouse and... (laughs) Your steak's taking way too long. Gosh, fuck. Just take out a knife and... Embarrassing. And your steak shows up. Next one is John Cummings, March 1809. After seeing a circus knife swallower, Cummings began actually swallowing knives. On one occasion, he swallowed four knives and quickly passed three with no ill health. He later swallowed 14 knives, and after some days with abdominal pain, he passed all of them. He finally swallowed 20 knives and a case, but after a few days, he only passed the case. He died after four years in pain. Jesus. On autopsy, a knife, blade, and spring were found in his intestines, and between 30 and 40 fragments of metal, wood, and horn in his stomach. Sounds unpleasant. Yeah... William Snyder died 11 January 1854, was only 13 when he died in San Francisco, reportedly after a circus clown swung him around by his ankles. Okay. Don't trust circus clowns. Matilda, Mathilda of Austria, whichever. Oh, I thought that was... There's an H. Matilda was the first name. Mathilda was the middle name. Matilda, Mathilda. (laughs) She died 6th of June 1867. She was an archduchess of Austria. She set her dress on fire while trying to hide a cigarette from her father who had forbidden her to smoke. (laughs) Henry Taylor, died November 1872, was a pallbearer at Kensal Green Cemetery in London. He was crushed by the coffin he was helping carry after he tripped on a stone. Sir William Payne, 
died 19th December, 1881, died after sustaining severe internal injuries when he fell on a turnip while hunting. On a turnip? On a turnip. Must have been one sturdy turnip. That is a turnip, yeah. That's a tough turnip. There's one death that is unknown. They don't know who died. Okay. But it was the 22nd of August, 1888. At around 8.30 p.m., a shower of meteorites fell like rain on a village in Iraq. One man died and another was paralyzed. The man's death is considered the only credible case of death by meteorite. Whoa. <laughs> Such polarizing deaths. The turnip guy, I would feel so embarrassed if, if I went, went that way, falling on a turnip. But then the meteorite guy, that's fucking badass. I'd love to die by death by meteorite. The cosmos killing you. This one you've probably heard of. This is a group of people. Okay. In the 15th of January, 1919, 21 people were killed and 150 injured in the Great Molasses Flood. I have not heard of this. You've not heard of the Great Molasses Flood? (laughs) It was a a large tank of molasses that burst in uh, Boston's North End. Oh, wow. I can't believe you haven't heard of that. Death by molasses. A sweet way to go. Frank Hayes, 4th of June, 1923, was a 22-year-old jockey in New York. He died of a heart attack mid-race and collapsed on the horse, which nonetheless crossed the finish line first while carrying his body. So he died but one. <laughs> well done. They pinned a medal on his jacket when he's like slumped over. Thornton Jones, 1924, was a lawyer in Wales. He woke up to find that he had his he had his throat slit. Motioning for a paper and pencil, he wrote, I dreamt that I had done it. I awoke to find it true and died 80 minutes later. He'd done it himself while unconscious. Wow. They delivered a verdict. Suicide while temporarily insane. Huh. That's got to be the most interesting to me. That's wild. Mm hmm. Alex Mitchell, 1975, after watching the Kung Fu Capers episode of The Goodies, Alex Mitchell laughed continuously for 25 minutes and then fell dead on his sofa from heart failure due to what doctors discovered years later via his granddaughter was a genetic condition called Long QT Syndrome. Oh, okay. That that was the one that uh, I think they talked about. And they they said the joke on GMM, and it wasn't that funny, (laughs) but... It makes sense as to why it was a condition that that played into the unending laughter. Kurt Godel, or Godel, I don't know which one it is. There's two dots above the O. Godel. Godel. 1978 was an Austrian-American logician, logician? Yeah, Mm -hmm. logician, and mathematician. He developed an obsessive fear of being poisoned and refused to eat food prepared by anyone but his wife. When she became ill and was hospitalized, he starved. I thought it was going to say his wife poisoned him. No. There's still love in this world, Zachary. They said I do for a reason. How the turntables. How the turntables. Robert Williams, 1979, was a worker at a Ford Motor Company plant. He became the first person known to be killed by a robot when a factory robot's arm struck him in the head. Is it like the first death by AI? I don't know if it'd be AI. It's not really artificial intelligence. It's just a robot arm. It's just a robot, okay. 
Because this is 1979. I don't think AI oh, was yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah, right. John Eric Hexum, 1984, an American actor, died after playing a simulated Russian roulette with a 44 Magnum pistol loaded with blanks. They contained paper wadding, and when he pulled the trigger against his temple, the wadding was propelled with a force that broke his skull, causing massive brain bleeding. Yeah, you don't want to mess with blanks. Blanks can still be very dangerous. <laughs> this is an unknown person again, 1984. He's an unidentified 25-year-old man was using submersion as an erotic asphyxiation method. Okay. With a homemade plastic bodysuit, he tied himself to a boat and was using a homemade diving apparatus for air supply. He died from rebreathing caused by the faulty apparatus. The amount of work that you put into... To get off. Autoerotic, yeah. This is like three people. Catchy the Poodle. Marta Espina, Edith, uh, Edith Sola, Solia, Solia, and an unidentified man. Okay. So a poodle included. 1988. The poodle in Buenos Aires fell from 13 floors and fatally hit 75-year-old Marta, killing both instantly. In the course of the events, 46-year-old Edith, who came to see the incident, was fatally hit by a bus. An unidentified man who witnessed her death had a heart attack and also died on his way to the hospital. <laughs> Gary Hoy... 9th of July, 1993. 38-year-old Gary was a lawyer in Toronto. He fell from the 24th floor of the Toronto Dominion Center while demonstrating the windows were unbreakable. I heard about this one. He threw himself against one, which, true to his, his assertion, did not break, but instead popped out of its frame. Yep. This one's based off of, well, this one's in a movie. There's a movie based off of it. Mm -hmm. Brian Douglas Wells, 28th of August, 2003, was a pizza delivery man from Pennsylvania, was killed by an explosive collar around his neck as part of a bank robbery scheme. Yeah. There's a movie. That was, um, well, I saw that on uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Have you seen the movie, though? I have not. No, it's got Jesse Eisenberg in it. I think really? it's Jesse Eisenberg. Pretty sure it's Jesse Eisenberg. Okay. It's a comedy, but oh, interesting. Yeah, I saw the um, the BuzzFeed Unsolved video on it was insane. It shook me. This one is a very popular true crime story. Mm. Um, Elisa Lamb. Yep, I know this one already. Yep, February two thousand thirteen was from Vancouver, British Columbia. Was missing for several weeks before being found dead in a large water tank on the roof of the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, after guests complained about low pressure and foul smell to the water. There's an entire documentary about it. Yeah, it's a documentary series, four-part series on Netflix. I've watched it. It's captivating, to say the least. That's it. That's death. Yeah. She's a cruel mistress. Sometimes it's funny. It can be. I think a lot of the times, though, people just try to find humor in the sad. Or things that, you know, they don't particularly like or they don't understand. What did you think of? The bear. Lemony, limey. Uh, citrusy. You are nailing this. Tart. Not sour. But sweet. Crisp. And refreshing. Those are just adjectives. Yeah, those are the, my, my adjectives that I'm assigning to it. Based on how I felt. <laughs> I liked it. But... There, I've had better APAs. I've had better beers in general in this show. Mm -hmm. But it was good. It's good. I thought it was very easy to drink, very smooth, just way too strong in the lemon and lime department, where it was just like 
this is a lot. Yeah, I could see that. Like, there's a lot of this going on. And then the fl- the smell profile was just like, this kind of smells like lemon and lime. Mm-hmm. But then it also smells like strong perfume. <laughs> you know, like body spray that you get at like Bath and Body Works. Okay. I told you I was going to be mean. Okay, sure. I mean, I finished it. So that's that's something to tell you. Yeah. Um, I would just say that... I would agree. I've had better beers. I would not get a second of this if I were to be like, "Ooh, wow, you know, I, I tried it. I think that's enough for me. I tried it. I like, uh, I, I mean, it just seems like a crisp summery kind of beer that I could find myself enjoying multiples of if I was like outside sitting on a deck or a patio or whatever on a yeah, summer you- day. If I'm, if they're, you know, super nice and cold. It's just, it's a crisp kind of beer. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's not bad. It's just, it doesn't blow me away. Right. It's, it's very, it's drinkable. It's just kind of like, drinkable. Meh. A little too much lemon, a little too much lime. That's what the beer's about. I That's know. That's what they advertise it as. I don't know what I was expecting. Lemon and lime pale ale. Yeah, I get it. Beerfrecast at gmail.com. You know where to find us. Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Oh, you don't even need to mention them. Why? If you're if you're starting at forty one, that's weird. You know, go back and maybe start at another. Start at number one. That's a good place to number start. Number one wasn't very good. Start if somewhere else. If you're if you've been listening to us for this long, you know where to find us. You well, know what's up. <laughs> sounds so mysterious. Have a good